Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You can be a leader and fake it and not lie. You can just be completely overwhelmed, right? You're in a crisis situation and you don't know what to do. And so you just shove it under the rug and, and hope it goes away. You're faking it there too because you're not facing reality. Hey, it's David. And you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Welcome to the show today. We have got a fantastic topic. I was so intrigued when I got this topic in the, in the title here and came across this that I had to invite our guest to, on the show today. Sabrina Horn is our guest. Sabrina is an award-winning CEO, communications expert with 25 years as founder and CEO of The Horn Group, which is an iconic US tech communications agency that she founded in Silicon Valley at age 29. And she, now today she's an advisor to the C-suite and helps startups navigate their growth. She's also the best-selling author of the book that we're here to talk about today, Make it, don't fake it, leading with authenticity for real business. And before I welcome her officially on the show, I got to tell, tell you that we are joined today. Uh, uh, in the episode, Sabrina has two large golden doodles named Lucky and Sammy, and I got to meet them before the show. So I hope that they make an appearance. We might invite them into the conversation. And also, Sabrina has two lovely children, Grace and Christina. Sabrina, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, here he comes. Here he oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> he heard his name. Yeah, it's so great to be here with you and, and talking with your audience. Oh, well, we're glad you're here. Sabrina, where are you broadcasting from today? I am uh, in Manhasset, which is on the North Shore of Long Island, about 25 minutes from the city. All right, excellent. And uh, you know, before we get into talking, I just love the the topic, the title of your book here. You know, make it, don't fake it. So we're going to turn some leadership advice on its head today. That old, uh, you know, fake it till you make it. We're gonna we're gonna talk in depth about that. But before we do, I want to ask you if you could take us back to your earliest memory of yourself in life as a leader. Yeah. Well, uh, earliest memory uh, as a leader, I tried to be a leader when um, I think I was a junior in high school, and I was so excited. I got my my first job working at a stationery store, and um, you know they sold cigarettes and magazines and gum and stuff like that. And um, the owners, there was a lovely elderly couple from Poland. And they, they really didn't know what they were getting into, but uh, they ran an open cash register business where you make a sale, you put the money in, you know, then you give the change back, right? And uh, so people would come up to me and I'm so excited. It's my first job. I'm handling money. And, you know, it was a magazine, two packs of gum, a pack of cigarettes and some greeting cards. And I couldn't do the math in my head fast enough to figure out what the total was. And there was no paper and pencil. 
sitting next to me to like do it manually. So I just made up the number. <laughs> I faked it. And I would just be like, oh, that, you know, that's eight dollars. Oh, you know? no. Yeah. Hoping, hoping that the customer would be like, OK, you know, and like give me the money. And I think most of them were delighted because I was basically giving the merchandise away. And uh, ultimately, the owners uh, kind of figured that out and and gave me that piece of paper and a pen to do the do the math. And but they were watching me like like hawks. They were standing over me and I got so nervous. I just I was paralyzed and I couldn't do it. So they fired me. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was uh, a vivid memory. You know, back then, fake it till you make it wasn't a term that existed, but I definitely faked it and I did not make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. I mean, I, I'm feeling the the pressure because one of my first jobs was definitely behind a cash register in a gas station, mm -hmm. uh, as it turns out. And I remember some of those, I mean, I did have one that, you know, would add up as you added things. So I didn't have to do the math to add things, but getting the change <laughs> right and counting up and all that. Yes. Oh goodness. Yeah. It was embarrassing to say the least. And even worse when I came home and, um, had to tell my parents that I was fired and no longer had a summer job. So I, I was very disappointing to my parents at that time. But, um, you know, there were, there've been other examples, of course, as a young CEO, I was 29 years old when I started my company and I had no leadership training. I had no, I think I probably managed an intern in the four or five years of job experience I had. And certainly didn't know you know how to run a company or to or to grow one so there were plenty of opportunities for me to fake it uh, and being in silicon valley of course i saw a lot of that as well mm -hmm. you know that that early lesson uh behind the cash register <laughs> I, I mean what did you take from that how has that informed your work your approach to leadership the reasons you wrote this book you know, ultimately, what has that meant for you as you reflect on it now? I guess ultimately it's that faking it doesn't work. It's not worth it. And it's much easier to admit that you've made a mistake, right? Or to ask for help when you don't know how to do something as a leader to show humility and to not be afraid that that diminishes your power, but actually gives you more power, you know, but really focusing in on that, that mantra, which I, I just think is the worst business advice ever. Like it's, it's, it's never going to pay off to exaggerate the truth or distort the facts. And through my career, you know, I, I saw evidence of that in other CEOs that I advised as a PR counselor, but also in my own experience as a CEO navigating the, the growth and the problems associated with that of my own business. I'm just so fascinated to explore this more with you because for, for several reasons, one is the, you know, and you talk about it's nearly a cliche in the business world, fake it till you make it. Uh, and some of the reasons for that, and, and there had to be something of value in that maybe at some point, and it's gotten yeah. way out of where it should be. And then also your background in, in publicity and public relations and the communication there, because that's one of those industries that isn't exactly known for oh, yeah. 
you know, for yes. just telling it like it is, you know, <laughs> those sorts of things. So just, I'm just so excited to get into our conversation here. So let's start with this concept of fake it till you make it. And why I mean, <laughs> in your in your press for this book, you talk about that is a loser's game. I mean, you just come out there and say it. So tell us what you mean by that. Why yeah. fake it till you make it? What are we talking about? What are we not talking about? Right? Well, okay, so let's back up for a second. The mantra, the meme actually has some fairly innocent origins that kind of go back to uh, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques from the 1920s. And this notion of acting as if, right, where say you don't feel very confident. And so you try and imagine and practice those behaviors that you wish you could exude until maybe they become more comfortable and you kind of become them, right? And that's a form of self-help. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Similarly, um, you know, wearing a, well, people aren't going to work and they're not wearing ties when they go to work, but, you know, men sometimes wear a power tie to feel more confident in a meeting or women dress for success, right? Visualizing, these are all techniques that are for self-help and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Where you cross the line is when you do and say things at the expense of others for personal gain. So, so exaggerating the truth about what a product can do to a potential investor or a customer to win the, the deal. Um, minimizing the reality of a situation so you don't have to admit maybe a fault or a mistake. Um, a selective truth-telling, which is pr pretty dangerous, right? Where you're telling the truth, um, but uh, withholding certain facts, um, that's very dangerous. And then, you know, you kind of go off the deep end into like jail time, <laughs> which is what, what we're experiencing right now with Elizabeth Holmes, who is on trial for her company, Theranos, with dire consequences. So there's a broad spectrum of, of faking it. And, and by the way, sometimes you can be a leader and fake it and not lie. You could just be completely overwhelmed, right? You're in a crisis situation and you don't know what to do. And so you just shove it under the rug and, and hope it goes away. I mean, you're faking it there too, because you're not facing reality. And let's just pause there for a second, because you've made so many good points already that the, the acting as if has a legitimate place in terms of the, the self-help that you talk about. So if I'm, if I'm worried that, you know, people aren't seeing me as a leader, it can be helpful for me to see myself as a leader, act as if I am whatever that I think that's going to be. And then people will receive that energy, respond to it, and, and we're off and moving. Yeah. That's different than that last scenario that you talked about, which is right now as a leader, I am feeling completely overwhelmed with all of the problems and challenges and everything going on. And oh my goodness, so rather than dealing with it, I act as if there's nothing wrong, but that's not healthy acting as if that's the faking it that you're talking about. Yes, precisely, because you're doing that at the expense of all of your employees and your customers by not facing whatever the reality of that situation is. Mm, okay. So, and you have some great suggestions in the book of how we can deal with some of those things. Uh, there, there are so many different aspects of this book that I want to get into. Um, when you talk about, I'm just going to skip ahead because this comes later in the book, but mm -hmm. you, you talk about the make it happen box, oh, which yeah. is 
I'm, I'm picturing the leader that you just described. And I mean, I have been this leader. Everybody gets here, right? Where there's just so many issues and I'm dealing with so many things. And when that overwhelm starts, this make it happen box, you have a very practical kind of fun, and I have not seen this before way of approaching that. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm sure. So, so uh, first of all, I, I called it the make it happen box because in all of those situations, I had to make it happen. <laughs> and so in order to, to deal with multiple challenging business situations and decisions, I had to create a way to kind of compartmentalize those, those singular items in a way that I could then kind of process them, sequence them, and then find a path forward. If it's all swirling around you, you're overwhelmed and then it can be paralyzing, right? Um, and the worst you can do is to pretend it doesn't exist or lie about it. Procrastinating is also, uh, can be death for a, for a leader. So the make it happen box is uh, not very scientific. It's a great little thing that you can draw on the back of a, of a cocktail napkin while you're <laughs> sitting at the bar or on a train or anywhere. And it's essentially a three-dimensional cube. It's a box, right? And, and mentally you can kind of put whatever the issue is that you're dealing with inside the box. And then the box has six sides. So on each side of the box, you kind of identify what are the primary issues related to this to this challenge I have to deal with and labeled each side of, of that box. There could be financial implications, uh, customer service issues, employee issues you have to deal with, right? And then attached to each side, what are the specific things that that pertain to that that side of that box that you that you've got to think about. And so pretty soon you're populating the outside of this this box with everything that is going on with that one issue and it's all nice and contained and you can start to develop sequences and orders of priority. What do you have to do first, second, and third? And you can kind of circle them, right? And then do that for every issue that you have. And each day you can move the needle forward on each one of these sort of situations by going back to that sequence or perhaps reprioritizing them because as we know, things change. And for me, I find it an extremely useful tool to kind of dissect a big problem, kind of figure out what's really involved, uh, summarize it from, from myself, take it to my leadership team, get their buy-in and their input, and start to execute. I love that so much, the make it happen box. So you compartmentalize the swirl of issues and you, you may have multiple different issues, all of which need their own box. So it might even be get three boxes and then, each yeah. issue in there and then do that same process of compartmentalizing the different facets of the issue, mm -hmm. getting your sequence and then actually working that process. Exactly. You got it. And what I like about that, uh, it's a, it's a very accessible approach and it's so useful. Uh, I know that this book you have written, make it, don't fake it, don't fake it, make it, sorry until uh, directed towards CEOs and business owners. Yes. And yet the, I would encourage anyone in a leadership role to read this book. You wanna get this book and read it because these kinds of tools will help you to lead authentically, to, ch to tackle the real issues that will make you a more effective leader. And if you want more responsibility, you got the tools here to do it in an authentic way. So 
you know, you, you know, I'm going to say, get this book at the end of the episode, if you listen to the show all the time, but <laughs> we'll just do a little preview of what's coming and why I had to skip forward to that because I just thought that's such a useful tool, uh, Sabrina, to, to help us with dealing with some of those things. So let's, let's go back to this idea of faking it. So we know that it's not acting as if in terms of developing my own confidence, it's, I'm not faking it, or I don't want to fake it when that is at the expense of other people. So I'm curious, when you talk about faking it, there's definitely some integrity issues yeah. in, in the definition of faking it that you're, you're talking about. And, and you get into the book, uh, in the book, you get into different kinds of integrity issues. I'm calling them integrity issues. Let's just call them lies, you know, at the simplest form, right? And you talk about different kinds of lies and different kinds of mistruths that happen and what's going on there. So I, I'd ask you if you can unpack those for us a little bit and let's talk a little bit more about what does that look like? What do we need to be on guard for here? Right. Well, I, I mean, there are many different types of lies, right? And um, I I created a uh, graphic, it's a continuum, which I called the fakeometer <laughs> or the fakeometer. Because when I was writing the book, I, I came up with all like these different ways that people actually fake it. And from the innocent to the severe, as you said. Uh, and so I plotted them on this, this, this continuum to help isolate why in certain cases we fake it, what causes it, right? And then what are the results uh, of that kind of fakery? And then of course, how to avoid it. I mean, here, here's a common example. In the PR industry, I experienced oftentimes, uh, you said at the beginning, like, you know, PR is known for its spin, but actually the best PR is known for peeling back the onion and finding the truth about a situation. So if you're in a marketing capacity in your company or your company's working on its branding and it's copying another company's image or brand or logo or customer value proposition, right? Because they wanna be just like them. That's an example of faking it and not being an authentic brand. Um, so I dial it into that a little bit in, in one of the chapters about how to build and maintain an authentic brand. Um, you know, there are many other examples where your back's to the wall and you're facing a crisis where you, your company didn't meet its numbers. And because of your failing financial performance, you've got to lay off some people. I don't know any CEO or leader who relishes the thought of doing that, right? Not one. Or admit, admitting a, a mistake that your product has a flaw. But you know, you can fake it and, and avoid the truth or shove it under the rug or blame someone else, but you're just making the problem worse. It's so much better to admit the truth about something, right? And integrity by definition means that you're grounded in the truth and reality, that you face that those harsh truths, admit the mistake and find a path forward is, is the lesser of, of the other option, which is to then be exposed years later for lying and misleading your constituents and your stakeholders, right? Neither option is great, but it's much better to be honest about a mistake and have a better chance of recovering. One of my, my favorite leadership sayings that, that, that I often spoke to myself over the years, particularly in executive roles has been, which set of problems do I want to have? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not if problems, it's which problems. Yes, yes. And you and you will have problems. Uh, you know, it's it's like, what's the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? 
every leader has to try and avoid those obstacles, those bumps in the road. So why would you create more obstacles for yourself, right? So faking it may help you achieve a short-term success. This is true. But the, but the challenge is that the truth always comes out. You know, it might, it might take a week or a month or 10 years in the case of Bernie Madoff and his Ponzi scheme, but the truth always comes out and the consequences can, can be beyond de devastating. So, yeah. So Sabrina, I am 100% aligned with what you're saying. And I recognize that we live in a world right now and at various times in history, but we're in one of those times where there is some... I want to say this delicately, but some bent towards spin, fake news, uh, you know, repeat something often enough and it becomes reality, you know, reality is whatever I say it, you know, there's these kinds of notions out there. And for leaders who, who might be tempted that direction, I'm curious your perspective, because there are people who seem to believe these things and, and operate that way and sometimes can seem to be pretty successful for it. Yeah. Look, I, I think, um, let me first say, nobody is lily white here. Like everybody, everyone listening to this has faked it at one time or another for some reason to some degree. And authenticity and integrity are kind of like beauty. They're in the eye of the beholder. So what I think is authentic, you, you may disagree with, right? And vice versa. So as a leader, you have a responsibility to lead by example. And you yourself have to decide within the confines of the truth, how far you wanna take something and still be your best self and be grounded in core values and put your head down on the pillow every night and know, that you did right by everyone in your family and your employees and your shareholders and, and customers. And right to, to be your best self, I often say, if the journey is the reward, we'll make it a good one. So nobody is going to tell you to, you know, to fake it or to, you know, everybody says, well, you have to be a good person, but you have that responsibility as a leader. And there is a fake it moment for everyone, almost every day, where you can decide, are you gonna take the shortcut, right? Or fake it somehow in whatever way I've described before, right? Or take a moment and think about what actually is the truth here. And even though it might be hard, like let's just imagine if we did this the right way, what does that look like, <laughs> right? And then ask yourself like, what's the risk assessment? This is what we often did in PR. What are the implications of taking that shortcut? What happens if you're exposed, right? You, you're gonna deal with that? Can you sleep with yourself? Is that right? Are you, are you doing right by your employees and your board, right? Or doing it the right way? And so ultimately the answer is when you look in the mirror at night, what are you going to be what are confident you and comfortable with? Right. And, you know, the, the problem with faking it is that it's like that saying lies beget lies, right? You tell one and you got to tell another and another, and it undermines who you are as a person. It can consume you. Look at Elizabeth Holmes, right? She, she got to the point where she couldn't stop. So uh, it became her, 
right? Everyone has to decide. And the, the point of, of the book is to, to maybe give you, you know, some things to think about to help you when you're in those moments, take the straight arrow. So Sabrina, there are some more items and issues and, and points you make in the book that I'd like to get into. But I'm curious, just as we've been talking, you have so much passion around this subject. And it occurs to me that with 25 years in the PR and communications business in Silicon Valley, there are a number of books you could have written. The book you chose to write is this one. Mm -hmm. And was there something in specific that led you to this book or, or a series of events? Why was this subject so important for you to get out there? Yeah, I think for a couple of reasons, and it's a very interesting question. I come from perhaps an unusual perch uh, in PR in Silicon Valley to write a book about <laughs> integrity. And I, I wrote it for a number of reasons because I feel primarily that in the last five to 10 years, so many people have forgotten about the fact that integrity matters. I feel that the fake it till you make it mantra call it whatever you want, um, has become like air. It's been normalized and baked into our society and into business. And if you listen to the words, it's telling you that it's okay to lie or cheat in order to achieve success. And, and everything is wrong with that. And if you're, if you're going to be an entrepreneur or run a company or move up the corporate ladder, right? that, that is not a recipe for long-term success. And so running my company for 24 years and through economic downturns and, and acts of God and, uh, you know, uh, internal crises, embezzlement that I had to deal with, 9-11, you know, like you learn that it's always better to do things with integrity. It's just not worth it to do anything but that. And I also wanted to make the point that public relations is not about spin. It's not about copying somebody else's brand and creating something that doesn't exist, right? It's, it's actually about finding the truth. And the best PR counselors, I've said this many a time, help their CEOs or their clients like really get to, to like the core of like, well, what really happened here? Because only then can you move forward with authenticity to get to the other side of what you're dealing with. I'm curious as you're describing those challenges, if you've seen the converse, if you've seen the places where it didn't work, where the people who subscribe to that, what were some of the consequences uh, and, and where the caring comes from? So you mentioned that it's, that there are, you're seeing a lot of folks who don't have that same understanding It's become the air. What are the consequences there? I mean, it's the consequences always, right? That at some point you're gonna have that aha moment where somebody calls, calls your bluff, like lying on your resume or in a job interview, one of the most common ways of faking it. Guess what? That employer is gonna check where you went to college and discover that in fact, you did not go to Harvard Business School. <laughs> um, and the investor, is going to do his due diligence and discover that you don't have that many companies that are your customers. And the customer is going to be utterly disappointed with what your product can do because it's not as advertised. 
And they're going to post all over social media about how you lied to them. And then you ruined your reputation without even really getting started. You know, so, so those are the consequences. Unfortunately, I do talk to a lot of people, particularly uh, younger people just starting out in their careers who are, feel under pressure to compete and, you know, get that job. And they've said to me, if I don't fake it, I won't be successful. And, you know, that like that everything is wrong. Everything is wrong with that because you don't have to fake it in order to be successful. You just need a different way to tell your story or to be compelling or maybe do a little bit more work on yourself to realize the value that you created resulted in these other outcomes, not outputs that you haven't even really discussed yet, if that makes sense. It does. Let's talk about that a little bit for folks who are feeling that that pressure, which I get. We've all been there uh, where, you know, backed into the corner. You talk about the FUD factor, you know, with fear, uncertainty and doubt. And, you know, we've all experienced those things. You might be listening right now experiencing those things. So I'm curious, Sabrina, as you're you're sharing that, what are some of those techniques? What are some of the things that we might do when we're feeling that kind of pressure? Yeah. So, I, I mean, every situation is different uh, and there's no one medicine to, to take for uh, no vaccine since we're all into vaccines these days, right, to deal with all of that. But I would say a few things. Think about what success looks like to you. Like, where do you want to be a year from now? And, and then work your way back to today and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Like, do those two things actually match up, right? Secondly, I would say to hope for the best and plan for the worst. Like we've lived in a world where reality is a moving target every day and leading through change and being in limbo can be very exhausting. So I I don't call it contingency planning. I just call it change planning. And you want to have about five, six, maybe a dozen these contingency plans in your back pocket so that no matter what happens, you kind of know where, you, where you're headed. So you can straddle kind of that, that middle space. Uh, and just having those plans and having thought them through a little bit can give you the confidence to navigate a tough situation. I recommend uh, making sure every person listening to this should have at least two or three, maybe more mentors and advisors that they can speak to, right? When the going gets tough, these are people who've been in your shoes who want you to succeed, who will give it to you straight and who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear when the going gets tough. So those, those are a few um, ideas I would offer. So we're talking with Sabrina Horn, the author of Make It, Don't Fake It, Leading with Authenticity for Real Business. And Sabrina, Obviously, we want everybody to get this book, to take a look at the tools, the resources. Where do we connect with you? Where's, where should we find the book? Let's give us some of those. We'll make sure and put these in the show notes as well. Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, of course, uh, and Twitter at Sabrina Horn. You can also find me on my website uh, where you can purchase the book. It's just www.sabrinahorn.com. Uh, and of course, our friends at Amazon would be happy to sell you a copy. I think that's where most people have gotten uh, it. It's available in audio, digital, and um, paperback. All right, excellent. So Sabrina, as we're talking about PR, um, 
as a business owner myself, I have had, gosh, I've interacted with so many different people in the, in the PR business. Uh, when I've been interviewing for folks that I'd like to represent our brand, uh, as well as, you know, all, all different sorts of angles on this. But it's curious to me that the number of times people will want to promote, I'm trying to figure out the right language for this as you've been talking, promote the work that we're doing, but in a way that just isn't really related to the work. They take and want to run with a, a hook that is sensationalistic or, you know, is going to get something in a, in a print or online media, but that really isn't the core of what you're looking for. And it, it occurs to me that there is a parallel between, yes, if you're looking for PR work or marketing for your firm, if you're a business owner, or if you're a leader representing the work of your team, department, or organization, there are some common principles that we should be looking for in doing this effectively, whether we're doing it internally or we're working with a third party, like the work that you used to do. I'm curious if you might share some of those principles of how we go about doing that in, in a way that is with integrity. Yes, a few things. I think it always starts with your core values. And this is something that many entrepreneurs, of, of CEOs of early stage startups don't think about until later. And you may think it's sort of the soft stuff and, you know, whatever. We're, you know, we're honest, we move fast, great place to work. That's it, right? <laughs> I've seen those before. Yeah, yeah. Mission statement over the door, beers on Thursdays, and you're out. <laughs> and, you know, that's, those are not core values. That's not the principles by which you build a culture and a company to last with a, with a strong, authentic brand. And the marketing piece of it is all about that, right? That your marketing is all about what you stand for, who you are and what you don't stand for, and how you treat your customers and how they feel about you. Because all of these stories that a company has to tell become marketing content. It becomes the brand. And you may not know it, but those values are infused in every one of those little stories. And without them, without knowing what they are, without knowing how they permeate your culture and every business process you have from how you do an employee performance review to how you handle a customer complaint, right? That is an essential place to start for marketing. The, the second thing that I would say is, <laughs> this may sound funny, but honesty is a really great marketing strategy. <laughs> it's, it's refreshing because you don't see it a whole lot. And right, honesty builds trust. And what do we know about successful brands, right? A brand is the emotional connection, the feeling of trust that a person has with a product or a service or, or a company. That experience has to be consistent. When something changes in that mix and the experience isn't as great anymore or the product doesn't work or, or maybe there was a flaw in it, right? You start to not trust it so much. And so, so something in your process has fallen out of balance with a core value. And those, again, those core values kind of hold you uh, to that. So there's, you could do thousands of podcasts just on this, on this topic, but I think that that's a great place to start. Core values and honesty in your branding um, and honesty in your culture. 
Love that so much. So much practical value there to not just for CEOs or business owners looking to represent their their brand in the marketplace, but as a leader, you have a brand, your team has a brand, that emotional connection to the rest of the organization has to the work that you're doing. And are you clear on what those values are and how you're showing up? And is that permeating everything that you're doing? Exactly. Yeah. So much value there. Sabrina, one of the things that you talk about that I think would be valuable for listeners is advice for women in positions of leadership, yes. uh, specifically who might be dealing with gender bias. And I'm curious, you, again, as a CEO, business owner in Silicon Valley, I mean, you've got obviously a lot of experience here, and I'm sure some wisdom that you can share with our listeners in this regard. Yes. Well, I, I could I could write a movie about all the times that I had to deal with unpleasant behavior. And being a CEO of my own company, I certainly had some measure of control over, you know, who we wanted to work with, which clients we took on and so forth. But, but thousands of years of gender bias doesn't, you know, still, it still rears its ugly head from time to time. And it affected me, it affected sometimes my employees. Um, and so you have to take action. The number one thing is if you don't, then you're complicit in that behavior if, if you're a leader. Um, and certainly you have to lead by example, right? And, and um, refrain from, from that kind of terrible behavior. But if you are a victim of that, you have to use the channels that are available to you to report that kind of behavior. And I think sometimes there is a fear that you'll be found out or people will get mad at you or it's gonna make the situation worse. Nothing and nothing ever justifies that kind of behavior. So that's why it exists, those channels, right? So you've got to use them. Number two, get to know the ecosystem of the person uh, around the person that's committing said offensive behavior, because you may be able to understand how that person works or maybe have them on your behalf, influence them a little bit, or maybe help you, you know, get them in front of the right channels to correct their behavior. And honestly, short of that, right, take your ball and go take it somewhere else because you cannot um, teach a dog, an old dog new tricks. You just can't. If that's how they're wired, you're complaining. It may not change how they act. And there are plenty of companies on this planet who would love to have an employee like you and treat you the way you should be treated. And that goes back to the core of we're going to make it, not fake it. And faking it in that situation is acting as if nothing is wrong when it clearly is when it really is yeah you know and that obviously you're speaking directly to women there who are experiencing it but for hey all of the guys listening you're a bystander witnessing any of this you have the same responsibility don't fake it and act as if nothing's wrong exactly. address it directly right all right Sabrina, you've given us a lot to think about so many different directions to take everything that we've been talking about I'm listening going, okay, I hear you. And yeah, maybe, you know, sometimes I'm, I have been faking it in the wrong way, in the way that's not healthy. Where do I start to untangle all of this and get moving? Yeah. Well, there's um, three things that I, I think everybody can do uh, when they finish listening to this or, you know, later on tonight or, you know, when you get up in the morning and you have a few quiet moments to yourself. Think about the last time you faked it and how did you fake it? 
what was it? And why were you compelled to fake it? Were you afraid? Were you under pressure? Did you, were you overwhelmed? Did you just not know like what to do? Or maybe you were insecure and you wanted to impress somebody like I did when I was 19, trying to, you know, not like be able to do simple math. <laughs> and if you had a do-over, if you had a chance to do it over, right, how would you have done it differently? And how would you dial into the emotion that caused you to fake it? If you were insecure, how could you have maybe thought differently about yourself and changed that? Maybe you could have just visualized or practiced a different kind of behavior. Or if you were overwhelmed or in a crisis situation, who would you have talked to to try and find another piece of information to, to just get to tomorrow, right? Because sometimes success is just getting to tomorrow and realizing you don't have to have all the answers. So that's my challenge to you, right? Is think about the last time you faked it, what caused you, it compelled you to do so, and then dial into that to see how you might've done it if you do it again and do it differently. Oh, such a practical set of three steps. So Sabrina, I'm curious if you would be willing to take us back to that 19 year old <laughs> faking, faking the math at the, the cash register counter. Okay. And if, if you could go talk to her and we're going to get to eavesdrop here, but if you could go talk to her and share with her some of what you just shared with us in terms of those steps, particularly step, we know why you were doing it, but particularly step number three and what to do differently, how would you counsel your, your 19 year old self? <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I think I, I'd say I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, and I, I, would have, I would have said, you know, it's okay to say that you're nervous and you're learning, you're, you're learning this job. And could you please have a piece of paper and a pencil so that you can do the math? Or would they allow you to use the cash register in that way where you can like add things up and, you know, pr produce correct change. Why was I so afraid to assert myself? There really was no reason to, you know, and that's, that's the, uh, my do over there. And I think that's a do over that we can all learn from is ask for what we need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I, I want us to say here. Uh, we've talked about a lot, but um, as a leader, you really, you don't have to have all the answers. And if you're young, right, you think with those three letters after your name or whatever job title you have, that you that you have to know everything. And that's what people expect of you. And that, and that saying you don't understand something and that you need help, you may think shows weakness, but actually the opposite is true, right? Showing humility builds, uh, is an act of confidence and it levels the playing field of people around you. Everybody puts their guns down and they can relax and it, it creates a, a culture of collaboration where people can share ideas rather than uh, political infighting or covering their you know what, right? Because they've made a mistake. Beautiful, great words to wrap up on. And for listeners of the show, you know, Sabrina, as you're saying that, I. Someday I need to go do through and do this analysis, but of the so all the different guests that have appeared on this show over the years, if I had to say the number one piece of advice that comes up most frequently from leaders at every level, every industry is exactly what you just said. You don't have to have all the answers. 
and a good set of questions is way more valuable than faking some answers that you don't actually have. Exactly. Amen to that. And there's a way of doing it that you can practice where you can feel perhaps more confident too. It's, it's not about being self-deprecating or embarrassing yourself. It's about saying, wow, that's a really great idea. Tell me, tell me more. Can you elaborate on that? I'd like, I'd like to really understand what you're saying. This is interesting to me. And it's, you're not saying, I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) you know, right. And so like, that's a perfectly normal conversation to have. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a business meeting already in progress and I haven't had five minutes to, to even know what the company is doing. And I've been asked to go in and shake the CEO's hand. So what do you, what do you do? You say, well, tell me how's business going for you? What are you guys working on right now? You know, how can we be of help? Anything to extract more information so that I get a thread of like, okay, now I know where this is headed and I can have a conversation with this, with this person. All right, there you go. We're going to end with two different pieces of advice. One, if if you're feeling that you have been in that faking cloud a little bit and you're wanting to get out, you've got your three steps to go through. Think of the last time, the what was going on, what were you feeling, and then and what can you do differently in that moment. And as you are interacting with your team, if you're not already doing this, to be asking those courageous questions about what's possible about their ideas and responding to those ideas with, as Sabrina just said, Tell me more. Yeah. Love to hear more about that. Yeah. All right. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us today uh, and introducing us not only to all of your work and the ways that we can be showing up and making it, not faking it, but also sharing a a moment with Lucky and Sammy with us. It sounds like they took a nap during the show, but yeah, that's all right. (laughs) Don't don't say their names too loud. Okay. And and don't say D-I-N-N-E-R out loud, right? Okay, won't do that either. No. All right. Well, Sabrina, <laughs> thanks once again for being on the show. We so appreciate it. And listeners, find a way to ask those questions, to respond with the tell me more and help me understand and, and take it to the next level. And if you are in that cloud to take those steps and you're on the way to being the leader you'd want your boss to be. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.